0: My name is Samantha, and I am <laughs> So today, only because of God, I sponsorship. My sobriety day is the 20th of August of 1988. For that, I owe you my life. <laughs> this is too funny. Um, you know, many people know that John and Cindy are great heroes of mine, and, and looking out at you, I know they must be for you, too. When John asked me to um, come participate in this, I hung up on him. It <laughs> had a bad connection. He was like out on a ranch or something. Um, but between Joe and Cindy, we got tracked down and we got taken care of. With me getting to be here tonight with you, and I'm just thrilled beyond belief, overwhelmed and delighted. Nothing I can do to ever thank you enough. It's truly I am living a dream I never knew I had. I, I never knew I wanted to stand in front of a group of people that know me so intimately and that I love tremendously, fully close. And um you know that that dream is original and I'll tell you what the boys in North Dakota are really did the run for their money and, and I just think you guys are often duplicated but just never replicated. I mean I remember Richard and Curling dragging us to Billings, you know, when trying to be with Carmen or some other festive of occasion. And, um, we were trapped in the back of a van. <laughs> and, uh, I was trapped in the back of a van this afternoon. And, um, I was so the whole truth and our compositor's so so back there. Um, so thank you to all of you. Um, you know, for the example, the demonstration and reaction and AAA. Let's get drunk. <laughs> you know, that's what we we're here to talk about. Stephanie, God bless her. She called me, cracked me down in Mona the other day and asked me what I like to drink. Jack Daniels. Uh, Jerry Walker, Red Jim Dean, Jack. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and that rapidly went through my head. I said, "Well, we will be fine. But <laughs> so she's really going to be thinking, what are you doing to me? Um, I didn't want to scare her too much, but I, I do. If I could golf with any kind of like consistency, I think that could be really good. Because I'm like, ooh, just hammer that ball and, and you don't get it because um, usually when I hit people, I get arrested. So, yeah, I'll tell you what, I am, I am a, the skinny little girl from the wrong side of the tracks. I was uh, raised in Butte, Montana. I spent a lot of my formative years there down off of uh, uh, acre in Colorado where we lived behind Jerry's Corner Bar um, off of Main Street. And my father was a hard-drinking man. You know, he carried a 357, and there was a lot of excitement and adventure going on in our home. Furniture flew a lot. And the cops were often there because my dad, uh, was a Vietnam vet. And so, if you have any experience with that, I'll tell you what, there's always excitement happening Friday night, Tuesday night in my home. Wednesday afternoon, he would, um go a commando and, like, walk down the house and barricade the, the windows. And, and as a kid, I don't remember really understanding a lot of it other than he just was really tortured. And I didn't understand that, you know, I just thought that he was a jerk and a creep and I wish that he would leave us alone and, and stop drinking. And I was never going to drink. I was never going to be like him. And, um, you know, luckily today, I'm delighted that I am just like him, that we share this disease. And I don't remember my drink. I wish I could know you a fabulous, you know, getting to know you story about the first time that I drank. I don't have one. I remember being six years old at attic Yates, about half on Colorado Street. And I am first and foremost a pyromaniac. And um, I'm concerned about the boards today, so please put your fingers down, <laughs> get on and crush them, you know, turn around in the pop pan um, Because I, <laughs> he demands I owe for, uh, I've touched a few things um, in my day. And um, at that time in my life, I was lighting plastic straws on fire up in the status, and I would let the melted plastic drip onto my skin. And I just dined my little scars all over my knees where it was like the first relief I could get. You know, before I knew I'd feel better if I hit somebody or if I had a gas or anything, that was my first relief. It was just, God, I can't stand me. And I often tell you it's before it any sexual abuse, it's before it any physical abuse, it's before any of the stuff... But I got some people with in the spring of 1988, convinced that that's what was wrong with me. was all of that. Not that I was just untreated alcoholism. Not that. I take a drink of alcohol, if something happens to and for me. I tell you, man, I'm John Wayne and Monroe, You know, it's the back and I got it going on and I love it and I can't wait to do it again. And and so I don't, I didn't finish my dance with alcoholism. I really didn't. It was just like I always drank. And I always drank really well. i really not sorry for people who have to, you know, find the occasion to drink, you know, in wine salons or, you know, stopping after the bar, you know, at the bar after work for a drink. I just got to drink. And, and I did everything I could to protect that. Now of course I was 11 years old, so you have to work kind of at that. I love this place. There's a big shelf down here and I have two bottles of water on it and both mine. <laughs> I had the bar before I got here. Um, but that's kind one of the that happened. I started drinking and I started doing all kinds of things. But, you know, when I are off I'll give you kind of a little spring of my friends and it's my it's my favorite story to tell We kind of set the mood. I'm a ten years old, maybe 9 years old I don't know I'm a little kid. I'm very little, um, and I was in Butte, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of seven kids. I have four brothers and two sisters. <clears throat> Crazy drinking Butte, mining town. I'll tell you what, the town went to pot in 81 when they outlawed prostitution, and I was out of a job career. You know, that was like, gonna grow up and work on Maine. But what I was doing as a little kid in Butte, Montana, is I was trying to shoes, and I was at the m M&M bar, and I was at the shanty, and I was, you know, all over that town. she she's done sitting me, my friend Tracy Foster would be all over there making some money man. And it was my neighbor's house one day, and it was Erin, and she was, you know, her house was perfect in a masculine. They had grass in the front, you know, and, and their, their gate worked. You know, ours was kind of like hanging on by like a screw or something, and I loved going to her house. She had a basket hound and she had an overcrossed glass cane on her front door. It was like stepping through the looking glass. You know, her life was really Wonderland. And I was hanging out at her house one day and we were busted into the pantry to have some snacks because she had two seeds and pringles and all the really good food, right? And I opened the can of pringles and it was three coins filled with marijuana seeds. And I tell you what, I do not know how I intuitively knew what they were. I just knew what they were. And all of a sudden, I thought, i got to bring some of these to the Main Street Park. I put them into a Ziploc bag in this little, you know, place that's nurses that they stick into the baby bottle. I throw up one of those, packed them in my pocket. and am kid I was walking up to my house three blocks away, or a dairy where I could not believe it. My good fortune finally smiled upon me at last. I was going to take them to Main Street Park. The big kids are going to be out at 315, and they were going to want what I had. And as I'm crossing over into my front lawn, I think, I should grow some of these. And I sprinkled all over my side porch, back along the lilac places, and behind the garage. And I think I'm getting kind of low, and I'm a liar by nature, so they're not going to believe me if I tell them I have it. So i back in my pocket, they walk walked into the house. And my mother busted me, you know, higher than heaven. I went walking in the house. She told me I could get a piece of fruit. I went in the kitchen, and I got a piece of fruit. I came out, and she said, Jeanette, your little thief, I told you, you could have a lunch. And I was doing a little dance thing, and she's pulling that plastic bag out of my pocket, and she looked at him in that, you know, look of absolute horror and disgust was on his face. And, and my aunt, who <laughs> I recently saw, said she was there, and my mom just had a baby, and she said, baby, can I have those? I'm going to tell you, I got what I wanted. And, and that's a bad thing for a kid like me, a, you know, one of my plans to work. And, and that's what happened. I remember I got food higher than heaven. And something else happened where well, we ended up going back to the reservation where my parents, my parents up again. My parents were married and divorced to each other. Not once, only twice. Three times. <laughs> okay. So this was a divorce, I think. And We were up into the hills and um, we looked at Brownie, with grandma. She the Grandma. It was like bananas when um, it was falling apart and somebody tried to torture her house. You know, we'd been up there for a couple months. So my mom had to go back down to it, And I initially we always got to go to town. We would drive 40 miles in the ground for groceries and whatnot. And they would always put me in the car because by this time, I've smoked it. By this time, my family owns a bar in St. Mary's, Shakespeare garden. And I'm behind the bar. And I start out washing glasses and it's innocent and I'm cute and I'm pocketing clothes for the pack fan machine. Pretty soon I'm stealing bottles of wine and I'm hanging out with my cousins. My cousins are seem fat boy, and cousin and dusty. And um, I don't have a good name. They just called me Jeanette. A lot, and so we're hanging out. We're drinking down by the creek, and I got caught um, with my little brother down in the river, you know, drinking and smoking Camel Lights, and, and I loved it, and it was amazing. So of course, my mom had to haul me to boot. So she hauled me down to boot, and it was filled of green. I don't know how long it's been. I often wonder, was it a wet spring? Was it a dry summer? I mean, what were the conditions? <laughs> the ones by the garage were green, and. Um, my mother had the fire marshal and she was believe on the way to interview her about someone trying to torture her house because, you know, we thought it was bad and she could say, it could have been, Who knows?" But uh, I just remember my, my mom out there picking it, laughing hysterically. She had this push mower with like the rusted little blade and the wheel was hanging off and she looked like a hooterite right she was going around screaming at me. And I lay down in <laughs> the filled of dream and I thought, ah... Yeah, my mother loves me more than life stop. I promise you that my mom wished for me. She wanted a little girl. And she was sentimental and she was very loving. And she pressed some of that in my baby book. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> and I smoked it when I was 14 and on my way to my second rehab. I, I don't recommend that. <laughs> You know, I'm in Glacier, and I'm in the most beautiful part of of Montana. I think you can be and next to this. This is absolutely quite fabulous. And I'm in heaven, and I'm drinking behind the bar, (laughs) and I'm getting my grandma's chicken stunk. And I'm fighting. Like I said, I like to hit people. I like to hit things. I'll hit anything because it feels good. And I'm, I'm fighting all of the time. And you know, this one time I remember, maybe 11, maybe I'm 12 years old. 11, I'm down by St. Mary's River, and it's a beautiful place. that cuts right behind St. Mary's Lodge. And I'm down with my little brother. And my little brothers, I tell you, what they adore me. They really do. And they wanted nothing more than to just be with me, to hang out. Because I was a cool big sister. And I had a dirt bike that didn't have any brakes, and to stop it, I had to lay it down. You know I mean? I, I loved it. My kid has a dirt bike today, but he wears a helmet. Um, so <laughs> a little different. And I was out there with Arnold, and Arnold, you know, for some reason, I was having a bad day, or maybe I was just having a bad morning. But I'm out there with him, and, and um, I had a couple of bottles back. and he reminded me this the other day, he said, do you remember when you made me drink that wine? Because <laughs> of course, I don't want to drink alone. I and mean, come on, don't you want to be cool like me? And uh, he picked me off when we were fishing. And I had this fishing pole that had a um, barbed hook on it. They had the serrated hooks on it. And I remember, and, you know, and, and I'll tell you what, this was maybe 20 years ago. I don't know, it was a long time. Uh, and he was describing it for us the other night. He said I could just hear it cutting through the wind. And I was swinging at him telling him, just away from me, back up, leaving the wind. And I caught him right in the lip. And, um, I didn't let go of the fishing pole. And he was screaming to high heaven, and my mom came running out of the house. And, you know, what I remember is, after that is that they had to fly him to Alberta. They had to fly him up over the border to have it surgically removed. And I tell you, I wish that I, I could stand here today and tell you that I hit my fourth step, and that I remember that incident, but it did not. Because I suffer from perpetual forgetfulness, Okay. Hi, how you doing? I'm back, great, wonderful, and thank you for the grace in the program that I got to drink a few more years after that because I needed to. You know, all of the destruction, all the harm I caused with those little boys, and and I'll tell you what, I just had the last week juggling time slots, trying to see them all because for some reason they wanted to be with me. I don't know what that is, but it was fabulous, and I'm very, very grateful. So after that happened, we went back down to Helena. I was in Helena. I was in a great city, and I'm Indian. And I'm the wrong color, you know, and I talk funny. And um, I hated these people. You know, I could not stand. i stand in the halls of Helen Junior High, and by this time I'm only um, making a little proper on the side, selling some of the accelerants that I was using as I was drinking. I don't know I was afraid of that, but yes, I was doing. And um, I was in really afraid. So by the time my, uh, my freshman summer rolled around, my parents had already had me committed for um, a test evaluation, and now when I'm ten years old, they're taking me to um, a psychiatric um, facility. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, standing appointments at three o'clock after school. What is wrong with her? You know, and most importantly, what do we have to do to make her right? And I really believe that that, that was their intention, and that was their best hope. That told they wanted nothing more than to have me just be complete and okay and fulfilled. But people loved me. I am not kidding you. I never. More than I could they left me, and I was a raging maniac. I remember punching walls, and my father was um, a marine, and he had those NCO swords. And my brother and I would go whipping through the house, you know, trying to cut each other. The Highlander was just on, and it was like this can be only one, you know. And we just kicking and out of my mom's good work in her house, and a menace. I am a menace. I'm at the like breakfast table at eight in the morning. God have mercy. I have no idea what time it is, and when I need to shut up. Hell, Thank you. Five, ten, somewhere in there. Hi, nice. Good job, Um, If you're not sleeping, I would appreciate it. Um, I told told everybody in Florida, you can have a nap pass. (laughs) for the evening. So, where was I? Was I drunk? Was I eating somewhere? What was I doing? Jeff. So, Jeff and I were just walking out to Metallica in our room, and, and I was on probation by this time, of course, and... My mom and my dad would have family meetings, and they were trying really hard to build some kind of core. <laughs> and they just sabotaged for every round. And it It's 8 o'clock in the morning. My little brother's crunching, Captain Crunch at the breakfast table, and I'm like, You know, and my mom's trying to flip eggs over there, you know. And they were trying to do the non confrontational you know, love. I don't know. They should just whack me over the head with the frying pan. And... Um, I was just a monster. And I can remember my freshman year in high school, walking down the halls of Helena High, and man, those kids just, like Moses parting the red scene, man. They back up. And, you know, I didn't want to be like that. I wanted to be a cheerleader. I wanted to be a jock. I wanted to be all of those things. I just couldn't follow through with it, you know. <laughs> I had that grand idea, you know, really know that something it didn't happen. When I was a I started getting arrested a lot. And that's one of the things that Stephanie and I have in common is that I am most comfortable like this. Should this way? This works for me. <laughs> oh, <I'm not. laughs> um, I didn't even sit this way for long periods of time, believe it or not. <laughs> because there were many times they were very, very angry with me. So my friend poor mom, she's got this crazy drunken kid and this crazy drunken husband and, you know, we were just raging through the town of Helena and, you know, I have this absolute... One of my favorite drunks was, um, i got to have enough. I don't know about you, but i got to have enough. I had two, three cases of Rainier California Coolers when it came in, a two-letter bottle, and about a half, maybe a Mickey half kind of uh, Lake Calvert. And I'm just always on the off-chain this sure, year. I don't care what it tastes like, because I just want it to feel good. And I will drink anything, trust me, absolutely anything. I, I tried to my dad's knife since i one time because I was desperate. I drank drugs and alcohol, vanilla extracts. When you're on the phone, I'm like, you got to do be something. <laughs> because they weren't medicating me. <laughs> Although I really needed it. I was drinking vanilla extract, almond extract, rum extract, and I'd go in there and I would say, I'm going to make cookies for some really meaty. And I'd call them in the kitchen. And in the hospital, they have like industrial-sized bottles, you know? So <laughs> I'd try to convince my friends to bring me up, So I'd to get in common to bring me up some beef on the top of John's cup. I'm like, sit it by the no, door, nobody really knows, so because you can bring me up like my last meal before I ship out for rehab again. God so bless that woman, I'll tell you what, but... One of the last times that I can remember is I was out at the fairgrounds and I had, um, Amanda was with me and I had stolen a car. And I'm not really good for stealing cars. I don't know how to hotwire a car. I know how to steal purses and get your keys. And that's what I did. You know, I, I got this car and I ended up down at the fairgrounds. And, and it's that feeling that Bill talks about in the book that it reflected with that certain sense of satisfaction that he had enough to carry into the evening. And I sat there with my case of beer Because I'm always planned to portray. That's the one thing that I do. And, and I'm quite organizational in that sense. I can, kind of, I can coordinate events well. Got to have enough beer. And when I show up to the party, one of the main things that I make sure that I have is, like, I'm going to find out what the staff is. The so water is always a good place. Fill it up with cold water or some snow it's it. winter in Montana. And you throw beer in there. And then when you go upstairs and drink everybody else's beer, you get to go back down to the mom's room, have your own, come back out, drink your dish. You know, I'm just, I'm not a sharer. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm a great spring hogger. <laughs> That's what I am. <laughs> but, you know, do you have some you want to share with me or else? <laughs> So I'll tell you what, I'm drunk, I'm out the I <laughs> remember this cop coming in, and just you know, when you're that drunk, what do you care? Arrest me. You know, send me home. I'm 15, what are you going to do to me, take away my birthday? And I would have you take me home, they'd stand me in front of my mom, and they'd be like, how can you do this to her? How can you do it right, Your life is potential. There's always the power of potential, positive power of thinking, you know, don't you want to be something when you grow up and I have been in inside awareness classes, chemical awareness classes my whole entire life. I feel that I'm educated beyond my capacity where it comes to drugs now, go, move over it, let me help you out, you're gonna hurt somebody here. You know, and, and that's what I am doing. we find contracts and then I started trying to kill myself and you know, all of the chaos and all of the happening happened, you know, but but more importantly, I really had a good time drinking. I really did. And, and I will pay the price. I will take the consequence. I will take the beam. I really will. It is worth it. And no matter whose heart I was, and no matter that my mom standing in front of me I'm just like, what is wrong with you? And I just don't understand that. I am evil. I don't have to be born. You know, I'm writing the lyrics from Metallica, you know, Fade the Black in My Blood, and I'm stabbing them into my bedroom wall with, you know, nails and knives and stuff. And she's got her children, and, you know, and, oh, it was... Awful. <laughs> I often tell you, my mother, you know, I am the girl that your mother warned you about because my mother was warning you about me. She really was. She was like, if you do out with Jeanette tonight, you are responsible on your own actions. Tell your mother not to call me because she would be serving phone calls all the time about what Jeanette never done with her child again. And I started getting that. I was like, if you can't run with the big dogs, stay out the porch. And so this is going to go down. Something's going to happen. If there's going to be a wet t-shirt contest, I'm going to have a no t-shirt contest and I'm going to win. You know, if we're going to go out to the race, we're getting in the race. You know, you just, it's going to happen. And my friend, Tanya, said that to me one time. She said, you know, I'm really, really, really glad that you're sober. But God, I miss how crazy you were. <laughs> you know, nobody drugs me around this town like you did. And, I swelled with pride, you know. But unfortunately at 3 o'clock in the morning when I want to kill myself or one of you, you know, it's not happening and it's not there. And, and, and I really do, you know, I feel like I'm here by mistake because I don't have this, you know, tremendous moving story of how I got sober. It happened by mistake. Surely it did. It was an absolute um, accident because all that I know is I was in a lot of trouble. I get in trouble a lot. Did I ever tell you that? So one of these many times I was in trouble, and they was going to send me to the girls' school, and I don't like girls particularly, and I don't want to go to the girls' (laughs) school. I don't think that sounds like a good idea. So I'll do anything to get out of going to the girls' school. And I said, "Well, you can go to this drug and alcohol treatment program in Seattle, Washington, or Tacoma, Washington, rather, and uh, it was a 28-day program." I'm all over that. You guys, find me out where do we go. Now as I'm driving there, 611 pathetic miles with my parents, lost in the backseat. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, this is Mountain View. Mountain View was kind of good, because I could run from Mountain View. I am off of K Street in Tacoma, where the real deal's going on, and I'm not kidding, I am this Scared little kid in the back of his car going, oh my god, I take a bath. Please don't leave me here Please be banging with my mother. Don't leave me here How can you do this to me? And she dumped me off at that door. They brought me there at two o'clock in the morning. They were so desperate to get rid of me. <laughs> and walked me in there. And I'll never forget, it you know, the, the little wash nurse or whatever said, we can't take her tonight. My dad said, you have to take her. <laughs> She's like, no, we have admissions starting at six in the morning. He's, you know, he looks at me, and he looks at my mom, He's like, what are we going to do? Go home. You know, that's okay. We can take it back. We can change our minds. I'll be better. I promise. And all the that day, I was crying in my mother's lap. Please don't do this to me. And uh, we ended up out at him. And, and this is really important because I stood in that cafeteria, that treatment center that night at like, the general hospital. And, and the 12 steps and the 12 traditions were on the wall. And there was, a, you know, a fluorescent light. And, like, it was flickering on and coming off and flickering on and coming off. And it was just kind of beamed right on the second step. You know, it was hand to believe that a power baby on a house sure would of sanity. And I'll tell you like, the breath I had been holding my whole life came out. But somebody else knew that I was insane. And I was like, oh, All right. We went out to Bramerton made a naval shipyard, and my dad was getting a form in the rain, locked me up, I watched had the red ball and smoked a lot of cigarettes and watched the mop off which is where we surrendered to the Second World War was time, one of those ships the USS Missouri and I watched those ships floating out there in that yard and I'll tell you what, there were three football fields long and they were football fields in half wide and they float on the water. And I remember thinking, You know, if that ship could float maybe I could too And truthfully to say, I do not understand buoyancy and please don't explain it to me. Because it was in that instance sense that I got my first hope that maybe I didn't have to drink. You didn't have to live the way that I was living. I didn't know any of that. As sad and clear as I am. I am just here because they're making me be. You know, and I'm trying to prove to them I'm not alcoholic. So I went to uh fifty eight to the treatment. Um, (laughs) And they told me I was going to have to write a fourth step before I got out of that residential treatment center. That did not happen. Because I will wear you out. not happening. I'm not doing that meeting. Thank you very much. I'll do something out with some flair and you know smoke leave me alone. Because if somebody get a sponsor, go to AA. And I remember you know, the only person that I knew that was an alcoholic now. was a woman who a year prior had come and spoke at my school, and her name was Anne. And many of you know Anne. Anne was my first sponsor, and Anne, I drank with. Anne took me out when I was in the fifth grade and got me slammed. Love her for that to this day. Yeah. In the eighth grade, I saw her at a party, and she had had a baby and I got a DUI, and I thought, ooh, back up, Ann. <laughs> that's, that's when you're, like, really alcoholics, you know, at the, the DUI. If you learn how to drive drunk in a stolen car, you might get arrested, because that's my experience. <laughs> I'm sticking by it. So, ended up happening is, is um, I knew in, and I think I wrote her some cheesy letter or something. I don't know, because what happened in the spring of 87 is Ann came, spring of 88 letter, Anne came to my school, and she was making amends to the instructor there. You know, she and I both got kicked out of Alternative, and I remember her coming in, and she was just waiting. You know, it was what Bill talked about. There was something inexplicably different about her eyes. You know, she was beaming. And i again, this is a woman carried around a place you can fit a six second pack in, and I thought that was so cool. And she talked about alcoholics and and she talked about her life, and she had another woman with her who was six months over and... I, mean, with Margaret Managing and Margaret, and I remember looking back and you know, I was about three years sober, I thought oh, they ten months and six months sober. They were newcomers. They could have killed me. You <laughs> know. But they were on fire and enthusiastic and doing the deal and they no one I never that nobody was more perfectly suited to save my own life. They really were. They were desperate and they wanted to be sober and I was their victim. <laughs> And that's what happened. I really just got right here against my own will, kicking and screaming the whole way. If anyone want to come here and meditate or meditate or whatever you're going to give me, do I want what you have? No, thank you. Divorces, stretch marks, mm-mm. I'll pass. You know, I just want to be off probation. I want to get out after 6 o'clock at night. <laughs> that's what I want. I want to be where the boys are, okay? Hey, there's a boy in the room. I'm safe. So... And, and that's pretty much what happened. I'll tell you what, I got I was treatment that second time, and, and I ended up in Ballinville um, Club on a Friday night meeting, and the woman said to me, she said, you know, we're going to coffee afterwards, and, and for some reason I just went with her. And I've watched the recovery group in action as I have watched my own group in action. I have watched how you just take the baddest, broken person in and, and my CAD chemo. you know, up against the ropes driving to a restaurant, the next thing you know, they have a big look, the next thing you know, they're looking you in the eye, and, know you know, and, and, and on and on and on, and the miracle and the magic happens of what we know here is recovery, and that's what they did for me, those women, as ugly and awful as I tried to be, because I got here, with the metallic metal up your shirt on, in the context, is that what I say? Okay. And, <laughs> had a test on the podium, said thing. With some shredded jeans. I had a mohawk. It was hot, cheek and blonde. And I remember calling you saying to me that I was a piece of work when I got here. And I thought that that meant I was looking good. Because <laughs> so I had it going on. I was wet. I couldn't sit still. I remember everything on my body was moving and she would sit by people, and I'd be like, how can he never sit by me? You she sit by everybody else." And She's like, baby, you are know, moving move in the room. <laughs> you know? And I would pinch myself meeting, and i and sit there going, oh, my God, oh, my God, don't me a he goes, like, oh, God, he said, he needs You know, all of this stuff going on in my head, and then da nah, na 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 ah! You know, it's happening. And it's like a Metallica conference and a Trinus conference and a Stampede and a livestock auction and a baby shower. It's all going on. Right now. And it's like, how do you deal with that? And that woman sat down with me with the book, Alcoholics and She said, do you have a book? I said, yes, man, I do. <laughs> you know what? She said, you do? Yeah, I got a big book in October of 1987. I was something on the sidewalk. There was a lady up there who was three years sober. And I know what she was doing on the sidewalk with me. And <laughs> she was there. And I took her book, and I took the book from the library, and I highlighted and I underlined everything she had in the book. And I wrapped it up in a pair of dress shoes. I put it in a patient salami bag. I called my mother and said, get up there right now. And she did. I handed her that. the bed, said, get this home, put it in my closet, don't look in it. And she did. And I remember stumbling in my closet one night, because I had no furniture in my room, because I'd broken it all in a fit of eggs, and I found that bag. and I went, jeez, there's some shoes. And there's that book. What's that book? So when Anne picked herself up off the floor... She said, read the doctor's opinion. And, and, and my book was stamped throughout. And all the pivotal pages, 25, 35, 16, Psychiatric Department, 16, Community Hospital, <laughs> lest I forget where I come from. Read the doctor's opinion, she said. So I read the doctor's opinion. I read the doctor's opinion so the sun to up the next day. I read the doctor's opinion. I thought that she wanted to have to outline both what I have to do. You know, all those highlights, underlines. And I said, she's going to at halfway house. And she said, uh, when I saw her, how, how did she stop me? I don't know how she knew where I was at. She said, did you read the doctor to me? I'll tell you what, two of my other heads came out. And I said, yes, I did. I don't understand. And she said, "Good. Then you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure, great. Wonderful. What? Well, you went in my house Tuesday at 6.30. And that's what I did. I went to her house. We went through that a page at a time, a sentence at a time. she completely defined words for me that I found. <laughs> my husband always says, "Having a grown person read to it and some of it, you in public might have been a little bizarre, but I did it and I nodded a lot. She seemed happy when I did that. You <laughs> know, I kind of feel like I was in a wind tunnel. You know, like you know, obsession. Oh, I got that. You know, and all of these definitions. And I'll tell you what, I really am not uh, the rocket to society that I know. I am just a tedious, tedious, monotonous of That's what happened to me. I followed what that woman told me to do, and a lot of the times I didn't. You know, I can remember coming to meetings, and I'll never forget. I was, was invited to speak at my home group when I was three years sober. and this the condition I I showed up in a T-shirt and a pair of shorts, and the greeters were greeting in jackets, and I thought, you Gotta go. And I don't know how I even ever got to that talk, and hopefully they had heard that too long ago, but I got pregnant shortly thereafter, so that'll play later. <laughs> because if you don't lose your anxiety, it's birth control. That will happen to you. I'm just warning you down, Stephanie. Um, <laughs> and I'm, a, I'm a little late for this one. Anybody else? We got to that. <laughs> um, we had a baby, and uh, that was 14 years ago this year. And and that was one of the things that often broke my heart about not getting to come to their is that I had this little baby and um, you know by the time that baby was old enough to so leave him with grandma, I had another little baby and <laughs> the same thing and now the baby is five and here I am and and again I trust you I I just it's a dream I never knew I had I I look at my life a lot of times and I cannot believe this is happening I just want to like. Just you I know or something, you know. Like, hey, you can you believe we're here? We are a room full of a thousand miracles, of moments and magic and times when it just happened You know, you can't define it. You can't put your finger on it. You don't know when it did, but it happened to you. That you made it to this room tonight. And they huge. Because I'll tell you what, life is expensive. Life is expensive for everybody. For the guy down the street, for the beautiful man who lives to ranch this mountain. It's expensive. Living in and out, paying taxes, learning and loving. But for us, it is priceless. Because you can't buy sobriety. I live in a town where there's a lot of flash and a lot of excitement. And I'll tell you what, they have to come to AA to get sober. There's nowhere else they can go. And that at some point is all that I wanted from you. I just didn't want to drink anymore. I didn't want to feel the way I was feeling. I didn't want to have to cut on myself, punch walls, beat people up. I didn't want to have to live that way anymore. You know, I truly, my sister and I are like the only women in our family with all of our teeth. You know? I went to the the other day. I was the girl, bring the little teeth to And, um, taking them into the boys. And, and I can't, I can't believe that. I can't believe that I, like, I have a driver's license and I have, I have life insurance. Do you know that? Isn't <laughs> that weird really what? So I'll tell you that Anne really, um, she showed up with me and the women in Alcoholics Mama showed up with me and they taught me how to sit still and how to put all my clothes on and at some point leave the boys alone. You know, and I got to participate in my life and in my recovery, and I got to slowly start to give back at what, you know, we have been given here. And the, the truth of the matter is that I am far better than I deserve. I really am, and I'm just as grateful as I know how to be for that. And, and I can't, you know, the, the one thing that this rain heavy on my heart is want to tell you a story about my dad. Um, I love my father more than life of and, and my dad and I got sober in 1988 together, and he was sober for 10 years, and I've always to that he shared this program. We had amazing help and healing in our family. As you well know with that fact, we had radiant days. You know, even the heartache were better than they ever were drunk. And so when I was, when we were two years old, my father got drunk. And I didn't know when he got drunk. I had no idea because my family hid it from me. All that I knew is that he was all of a sudden moving to Ecuador. <laughs> my dad had two families on two continents. <laughs> He's a busy boy. And I remember when he left, I had just been left to my parents, and I went to school, and um, he left to then feel with me, and he left to take the to stuff, and a few other things, and, and I remember having a talk with him about his and what he wanted, and, you know, that he wanted you know, to be it and all this stuff, and he had you know, he to on your hands, tell you that stuff, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I didn't really write like down a lot of it, but I had the gist of it, you know, and I can kind to remember And My father had a chronic heart condition. He had two open hearts. Two were at St. Louis, you know, that where the recoveries were really rallied. he showed up with us at that time, and so my dad left the country, and he ended up going to Ecuador. And in March of 2004, he told me um, that he was no longer going to continue medical, care for his condition, and that he was tired, and that the road had been long, you know, but he was done. And the words that came out of my mouth were that yeah, I respect you, you know, and, and thank you for telling me. But so what my actions were is that it would be no good, you know, dirty dog. And I stopped talking to him. What a purpose at first. It was hard to get out of country alone. You know, he has a business. He's with a new family down there. He's got another baby girl. And, and I listened to all the time my head tells me about, you know, remember when and when that happened and he did this to me. And so I had to report that to my sponsor because when I am under attack, I usually call and say, I'm under attack. And I didn't. And I think I'm making for her that year. I said, you know, I didn't send my daughter a the Father's Day card this year. That was no big deal. You know, she said, you need to send that card. And I didn't. You know, and by August, by that, my birthday, I was kind of getting a little burning in my stomach. I was like, ooh, not really sure what it is. Maybe it's my diet. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. But just that ache when you know you're off. Because I know when I'm off. I have a great celebration. I used to live and fear every day in my life. And I know it today. It's on this program. And when I did that, I know. I could put my finger on it. And a week after my fishing stagalli birthday, my father died in a bar in Monta, Ecuador it was called the Memphis Bell. And he you know, had the big one. He had his first heart attack at 36 and his last one at 54. And when that call came through... I wish I to tell you that I was current and that I was complete and that I stand here before you a good, disciplined daughter in AA, but I would not. I tried getting a hold of my sponsor. I got a hold of Teresa screaming to high heaven on the side of the road in West Texas that my dad was dead, and she said, Oh, my God, Jeanette, it was 10 years ago today that my dad died. And I'm so grateful for that parallel, and I'm so grateful for the gift of identification, because I had hoped that it, you know, and I remember what I said there, was not, oh thank God, I said, I'm too young to be a part of a dead dad club. <laughs> but I didn't live that way, right? I did, and I didn't honor that man, and he deserves, and as was suggested to me in this program. And it took about 13 days to, uh, recover his body from a foreign country. A couple of hair happened, they shut down Miami, and it was, Wah! It was a mess. He was at a body we had an amazing funeral, which Alcoholics Down was just, I mean, that's why it happened. It happened because my sponsor, my home group, and the newcomer showed up in a tie. That's what happened. And I was able to honor him, and I was able to participate in his death And the way I went with him in the you know. I made sure that he had everything that he needed and farewell. It was an amazing ceremony, he had about 4,000 rows fly over his burial his side. It was, you know, it was the way it should have been. What happened when I got home that evening, I noticed that there with my husband feeling I, I've never known him like that, from I over, feeling like I just, I wanted to die. I thought I have his sword. You know, he left that with me. And what I can tell you is that my father gave me my inheritance before he died. He'd have to me that which I was to have to honor him, you know, after he left this world. And so I promise you, so she takes take these actions, where your parents are alive or dead, the freedom that I have today is the fact that I call my, my mother. right now is at my house. You know, I call my mother every chance that I get. You know, I buy her chocolate and black jelly beans, and i listen to her talk to me about the bow I don't like when I go, okay, are going to end. But she was my last connection to that man because so they shared an amazing, passionate love, to which I am so very grateful, because I would not stand in here before you without that. You know, so I tell you what, I'm glad that you stayed awake. I don't know if I'm done, but I okay, like I'm near the end. Richard stayed away, thank God. I think not nodded once, but he drove me after. <clears throat> once you got the big tender. I don't know where I'm at, but <laughs> I do know that there's a lot of women that I sponsor in this room and that there's a lot of people here who have watched me get sober and continue to help me stay sober. And all that I can tell you is I thank you for my life and I love you all.